Okay. Um, let me uh, let me say this before we get into it. I've I've met several visitors and, and it's glad so glad that you're here and. Um, we, uh, we're glad that the word has gotten out and that you've uh, felt invited and comfortable enough to come. Let me, uh, let me just say this because we have, we have kind of gotten the word out about this talk specifically tonight, but um, I fear that um, I may catch a few people by surprise. So uh, let me say this going into this tonight. This is obviously going to be probably the most sensitive topic that we're going to discuss um, during this series um, because we are going to look um, in a very real and honest way about... Uh, pornography and, and what the internet, what technology is doing to our sexuality. And I'm going to do that in a way that I would never do from the pulpit and I would never do at a youth group meeting or anything like that. And, and so I, I want to just throw that out there. If you're a guest and just came here to hear, hear a talk, um, just know that it's going to be a very real and honest talk. Okay, um, where are we going this evening? I just want to kind of get right into the issue because I have a lot to say. Um, and, and, and if time permits at the end, I will be happy to answer questions. Um, I just don't know how much time I'm going to leave myself. So if, if, if I don't use the whole time, um, I will be up here and we can even just in a format, you can just raise your hand and ask questions and, and I can do my best to answer it. If I run out of time, um, I still will be here to, available to ask questions if anybody wants to follow up with any of this afterwards. Um, here's, here's where we're going. Um, I want to do three things tonight in regards to um, the Internet's effect on our sexuality. Um, I want to explore the issue of internet pornography. I want to consider the consequences of internet pornography and then end by offering help with internet pornography. So we're going to explore the issue, consider the consequences, and then hopefully offer help. Let's, Let's get right into it, begin by talking about this issue of internet pornography, exploring the issue. Um, internet pornography is, I would say, the epidemic of our time, um, and I would also say is probably the most dangerous movement our culture perhaps has ever known. The statistics um, of use are staggering, and I'm not just going to throw a bunch of statistics at you tonight, um, but what they tell us is that there, there is nobody who is not susceptible to this drug of our culture. Men and women, young and old, find themselves in the heat of this addiction and of this battle. And I am doing this tonight with this assumption that many of you here are with me in this struggle. You are struggling with this problem. But without a doubt, the most vulnerable demographic are the children of our culture. Um, Nine out of ten, that's 90%. 9 out of 10, 8 to 16, um, ages 8 to 16, have viewed or viewing pornography. Um, the largest consumer of internet pornography are those ages 12 to 17. Um, and so that is the, the, the targeted demographic. But, but make no mistake about it, this addiction is spreading fast to everybody, to every demographic. The latest findings are telling us that one out of every three visitors to a pornography website are women. So that's one out of three are women. Um, And I say that, I throw that out from the beginning to just say this. Um, I realize um, that there may be women here who are struggling with this, or you may have daughters who are struggling with this, and it's particularly difficult for women, and it brings particularly a lot of shame, and um, perhaps more than anybody, feel very alone in this. Um, And I 
and I don't mean by my talk tonight. I don't mean to give you that impression. I probably will direct this more toward more towards men and apply it more towards guys and, and young men. But but I recognize this is an issue for you, and and I, and you are not alone in that. One out of every three visitors are women. Um, so it's a problem. What is it with internet pornography? What is it with this thing called pornography? Well, let's examine it. First and foremost, we need to just call it like it is. There is a real physical longing going on here. It feels good. Of course it feels good. This is a God-designed pleasure. It is one of the best feelings you can experience in life. Pornography, the, the power of pornography is that it plays upon the most fundamental longing of the human body, which is sexual pleasure. God designed sexual pleasure. It is right. It is good. It is to be enjoyed within the covenant. How he says, within the covenant, one man, one woman, covenant of marriage. It is incredibly powerful. This pleasure is incredibly powerful that God has designed and he meant it to be so, which means this. That is precisely why it must be handled with the utmost care. Because we are talking about something more powerful than you could ever imagine. And what we have done with pornography, especially in internet pornography, is take this powerful gift of God and twist it to fit our own sinful cravings and abuse this powerful pleasure. And there will be a price to, pay, to be paid for abusing something as powerful as this. It wasn't intended to be used this way, the way we are using it. It is way too powerful to be used outside of the parameters that God has ordained. We do not heed the warning label of, of Scripture, and thus this strong pleasure is now predictably owning us all, owning our culture. And so, so we turn into something physically. We're talking about the physical here. We turn into something that very much resembles a drug addict in a lot of ways. I've done a lot of studies, and there are a lot of studies out there, and, and all of them show the effects of pornography on the brain, um, and it is very similar to, to the brain that, of, of those abusing powerful, powerful drugs like cocaine and heroin. Its addictive power is very real. It is very real, and it is very scary. I have counseled people through alcohol addictions, through marijuana addictions, through prescription medication addiction, through crack addictions, and many people through pornography addiction. I am telling you from experience, there is not much difference between the drug addict and the pornography addict. If anything, the pornography addict has a more difficult time finding freedom than the drug addict because it plays upon something that is so fundamental to our bodies. And so just as an aside, before we even get to the parenting stuff, just as an aside, parents, um, this, you need to, when, if you find pornography on the internet, uh, on, your, on your computer at home, if your child is looking at pornography, you need to treat that as though you just opened a drawer in their bedroom and found a stash of drugs. It, it, you just came across cocaine. That should be your response to this stuff. It, we're not playing games. It is that powerful. It is that addictive. So, without a doubt, there is a very real physical temptation and addiction to pornography. It's physical. But let me dig deeper here. Um, it is almost a perfect drug. 
not only does it promise to satisfy these physical cravings that we all have, what, what is so alluring about pornography, internet pornography in particular, is it promises to satisfy the cravings of our hearts and our souls. Here's what I mean. Let's say you or your child is lonely. Well, not here in the world of pornography. Here, every girl wants to be with me, even in the most intimate way. You or your child, you are insecure. Well, not here, not in the world of pornography. Here, you are the man. So much so that even the prettiest girls are willing to take off their clothes for you. Let's say you are in so much pain, beaten down by the world. Well, not here. This is a world of pleasure, and my pain is forgotten for a moment. You're a failure. Failure in school, failure in business, failure as a parent, failure as a child. Not here. Nothing goes wrong in this world. There are no consequences, just rewards. You are full of guilt and shame. Well, not here. There's nothing to be ashamed of here because perversion is just the way of life here. You're bored in life. Well, not here. This is a world of nonstop stimulation and excitement. You're tired. So many demands on your time and in your life. Well, not here. This is a world with no demands that makes no requirements from you. You simply take from this world. You're just not happy. Life, just not happy. Not happy as a teenager. Not happy as a, as a young single adult. Hate being single. Not happy in marriage. It's just not what you expected. Not happy as a parent. And all the time it requires. Well, not here. Everyone is happy. Life is to be lived for one's own pleasure. And there is no dissatisfaction in this world. But more than anything, more than anything, the power of the drug is here. You are not God. And the fundamental flaw of my sinful nature is a desire and a longing to be my own God. And in this twisted world, I am in fact God. I am worshipped. I am adored. It is a world that exists for me to meet every need that I have to fulfill my pleasure in every way. Nothing feeds the sinful pride of man more than this world of pornography. And so we wonder why so many are trapped in this world. Not only does it play upon the most powerful physical pleasure that God has designed and offered to us, but also every longing of every heart for a moment... For a very fleeting moment seems to find its end. It is truly the perfect drug. And so, as I said before, we have a culture and we are seeing a generation rise up with this very painful drug addiction. Well, it, it comes with a price. It comes with a price. Um, God, God will not be mocked. We will reap what we sow. There are consequences. There are deep, painful consequences to manipulating and abusing this powerful gift of sex to meet our own pleasure and needs. So we've evaluated the internet pornography. Let us together consider the consequences of internet pornography. That's the problem. That's what we're up against. What are the consequences of this? The consequences of internet pornography, they're, they're simple. Um, it lays waste to everything it touches. 
All it does is destroy. It destroys anything in its path. Let me organize, let me organize my thoughts um, on the consequences this way. Like I said, it destroys. Here are the four areas of destruction. I could say so much here, but I'll, I'll limit it to four. Here are the four areas of destruction I will speak to. Destruction of self, destruction of others, destruction of sex, and destruction of society. What is, it, what is internet pornography destroying? Self, others, sex, and society. First, this destruction of self. The first person, of course, that will know the destruction of pornography is the user. I love this, I love this passage from Proverbs 9 that I share with people when I'm counseling them through this struggle. And it's from Proverbs 9. It's familiar to a lot of you. It says this, The woman of folly is loud. The woman of folly is loud. She sits at the door of her house on seat at the highest point of the city, calling out to all of those who pass by, who go straight on their way. So the picture is this, this woman of folly sitting on her front porch at the, at the highest point of the city as everybody walks by her house. And you can view her as the, the, the temptation, the enticement of internet pornography. She is loud, calling out to those who pass by, let all who are simple come on in. Stolen water is sweet. Food eaten in secret is delicious. This enticement come in into this hidden secret place. But, the scriptures say, little do they know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of the grave. That is a beautiful picture of the enticement of internet Pornography. It is very, very deceptive. Here is its cruel trick. It promises, as we saw, to be the end of all of those longings I spoke of earlier. Yet all it does is deepen the longings. You are being lied to. You need to know that, and your children need to know that. You are being lied to. The promises of pornography are empty. It promises to cure your loneliness, yet it only isolates. It promises to be the cure of your joylessness, yet it only leads to sorrow. It promises to numb out your pain, yet it only inflicts fresh wounds. It promises to please, yet it only leads to displeasure. It promises to be fun, yet it only leads to sadness. And ultimately, it promises to please your sexual Longings, yet all it does is, is take you down into the depths of twisted perversion to places where you could never have dreamed you would ever, ever go. Every pornography addict will tell you the same thing. The progression of perversion. It builds and it builds. You need more. And what used to stimulate no longer does. Now it's boring. And so you progress into further darkness until one day you look up in the mirror and you say, what have I become? It will destroy you. The folly of the internet, of internet pornography is so loud and enticing and our culture is just blindly heeding this call. Yet little do they know the dead are here. And its guests are in the depths of the grave. Internet pornography brings destruction. It brings destruction to self. But not only does it bring destruction to self, it brings destruction to others. This obvious point needs to be made. Many of you know this. Sin is never done in a vacuum. Of course, this is obvious with things such as, as, as anger and dishonesty and stealing and gossip and, and murder and adultery. 
But a lie that, that most people using internet pornography believe is that when it comes to this struggle, the only person that will suffer is myself. That is simply a lie. Jesus said this, very interesting. You've heard this verse before. He said this, You've heard it said, don't commit adultery. I say to you, I tell you, that if anyone looks at a woman with lust in their heart, they have committed adultery with her. Now, his main point in, in that teaching is that God sees the heart, not just the outward acts. Don't, don't boast in the fact that you're not sleeping around. God's standard of righteousness examines your heart, not just your deeds. That's his main point. Well, well, a connection that I believe we can make is this. If, according to God, a lustful heart and a heart that is outwardly committing adultery are similar in many ways, then we may expect the consequences of both to be the same in many ways. In other words, nobody can deny the brokenness that comes with an affair, with adultery. It it will bring brokenness to, to everyone involved in the situation. Well, I believe, and I think we are starting to see, that we will see similar pain and brokenness and destruction surrounding those who spend their days filling their hearts with the lusts of the internet. Pornography usage should be viewed in the same light as an adulterous affair, not only in the eyes of God, but as, as to the consequences attending to it. In fact, I would say this, and many of you are, this is all too familiar. Um, Many homes today, most homes are being destroyed, more homes are being destroyed by internet pornography than affairs this day. So, and of course it goes without saying that, that a child's as well, their abuse of internet pornography will have the same consequences for those around. It's not just going to hurt your child. As he or she suffers under this cruel mastery, so, so will all those around them. They will grow hard-hearted towards you, towards friends, towards siblings. They will withdraw, they will deceive, they will become full of anger and shame and guilt and all these things because, because they are not just suffering. All of those will suffer dearly. So, what I'm saying is that when Jesus compared lust in the heart to the outward act of adultery, he was not just making a point about the inward heart condition. I believe he would say that the personal perversion and lust will be accompanied with similar consequences as the outward act of adultery and fidelity. So, this dark sin is not done in a vacuum. The darkness and the destruction will spread to those around. And, and I need to make one more point before I move on here. Probably the group that is suffering under the effects more than anybody in this are, are sadly the young ladies of our culture. Um, do you, do you want to know why cosmetic surgery is now just routine? Do you want to know why they are they are killing themselves with crazy dieting and anorexia? Why clothes are getting so scandalous? Why, why they're taking pictures of themselves in sexually suggestive poses and posting it on Facebook for others to see? Because you men are addicted to porn and they are trying to compete with that. And they can't compete. Fathers, you are participating in the destruction of your daughters. And of your granddaughters. Boys, young men, you are participating in the destruction of your sisters and of your friends. It will destroy others, not just yourself. So, not only does it bring destruction to self, it brings destruction to others. 
It will also surprisingly bring destruction to sex. It's, it's very interesting. Proverbs 5 says this, May you rejoice in the wife of your youth. She is a loving doe, a graceful deer. May her breasts satisfy you always. May you ever be captivated by her love. Internet pornography has managed to do the unthinkable. Turn promises like this from Scripture into ho-hum, outdated, boring stuff. Can you believe that we have reached the day where men of our society do not get excited over real, naked women? Can you believe that? We have gone insane. Men are not attracted to naked women anymore. Why? They no longer enjoy it. They no longer enjoy sex. This is an interesting and perhaps unseen consequence of the explosion of pornography usage. As we have witnessed the increase of internet pornography, we have at the same time witnessed the decrease of sexual desire in men. The best article you will find on this subject was written by um, Naomi Wolf and published in the New York Magazine. You can easily find it um, on the internet. Google it. We'll talk about that next week. But um, the article... The article is entitled The Porn Myth, and, um, and this, is what, this is what she had to say. Pornography has become mainstream, and the whole world has been flooded by internet pornography. But the effect, she says, is not making men, as many people, um, many people predicted, is not making men into raving beasts. On the contrary, the onslaught of porn is responsible for deadening male sexual drive in relation to real women and leading men to see fewer and fewer women as porn-worthy. Far from having to fend off porn-crazed young men, young women are worrying that as mere flesh and blood they can scarcely get, let alone hold their attention. After all, how can real women possibly compete with cyber vision of perfection, utterly tailored to the consumer's specification? Today, real naked women are just bad porn. And she's right. Let me turn to a very public and famous example of this. Uh, some of you may be familiar with John Mayer. You may even be familiar with this interview that's become very public. Um, he, if you're not familiar with him, he's one of the most famous musicians of our time and is, is also well known for um, his many supermodel uh, girlfriends. Um, let's just say this is a guy who could have any woman he wants, pretty much. Um, well, he, get, he recently gave an incredibly honest interview about himself. By the way, let me, let me preface this. Um, if you go home and search for this interview online, um, you're going to get really mad at me. I did not see it from its original source, okay? This, this was an interview that he did with Playboy, okay? And it has made the rounds in a very public way. It's all over it. I did not get it from Playboy, okay? This is, a, this is an interview he did with Playboy, and it is just making the rounds because for the first time, a guy came out and just said it, and it is shocking, um, this, is, this is some of the highlights from his interview. Internet pornography has... This is guys uh, my age, about 31. Internet pornography has absolutely changed my generation's expectations. I have unbelievable orgasms alone. They are always the best. Once I have to deal with someone else's desires, I cut and run. When I meet somebody... Then I'm in a situation which I can't control because another person's needs are involved. And so, for, and so for the purpose of clarification, the interviewer just straight up asks him, 
masturbation for you is as good as sex? He says this, absolutely. He says, during sex, I'm just going to run a film strip of porn in my mind. It's still masturbating. That's what you do when you're a part of my generation. So rather than meet someone new, I would just rather go home for my own amazing experience. I am more comfortable in my imagination than I am in actual human discovery. Now, I apologize that those quotes are shocking, but I do believe it's time for us to be shocked. This is a man who could have any woman he wanted, and yet he admittedly prefers fake images on screen. And I shudder to think of our youth growing up in their wedding night just being anticlimactic. And I shudder to think that there are men here who prefer a computer screen to your wife. We have, a twisted, sex, we have twisted sexual pleasure away from its original design, which was a man and a woman selflessly giving themselves to the other for the other's enjoyment and the other's pleasure into this perverted, narcissistic, debased, broken ritual with myself. And we are therefore destroying this wonderful gift of God. Okay, we've seen destruction of self, destruction of others, destruction of sex. Last consequence, destruction of society. Um, This one will be briefer because we are still, I believe, a decade, 20 years away from truly realizing the consequences of this. Um, we We know this much. We know this much from history. We cannot fill our land with such perversion and not expect serious, serious repercussions. There is a tidal wave. There is a a tsunami that is quickly approaching and gaining more strength by the day as, as more young people are drawn up into this tide. And when it hits, we will face and feel these serious consequences. And we will know just how serious this problem is. I realize that this struggle is not age-limited. I really do mean that. I realize that. Um, Many adults, many parents, even many grandparents are struggling here. And we have seen the effects of this struggle to some degree. But, But what I have in mind here is a generation rising up with this addiction. If the statistics are true, then we have a generation rising up with this addiction. That means in 10, 15 years, these, these men are going to be getting married. And in 15 years, these men are going to be having children and starting to parent. In 20, 30 years, these young men will be owning businesses and educating the next generation and practicing medicine and making laws and pastoring our churches. What will the effects of a culture run by pornography addicts be? I, I, I don't know. I mean, if these statistics are true, then we are, have an epidemic on our hands. And it seems as though nobody is sounding the alarm. What will happen when the tsunami comes crashing down on the shores of our nation? I don't know. But I know pornography, like I said, does nothing but destroy. And so that destructive influence will inevitably form, or I guess I should say deform, our society. But let me say this. I also know this. Um, To all of you who are just scared to death right now... (laughs) and freaking out to the parents and grandparents. Um, I can say this, I will be right here sounding the trumpet of redemption. And I think many people are going to join me with that. Um, The church, I pray, will rise up as a voice of, of purity in the midst of a land full of perversion. 
I, I, I pray, I think we will see from my generation Christian families with dads who would never allow such filth into their homes. God is faithful to generations. I don't know what is before us. And I, and I know that it can be very scary and alarming, but I do also know this, that it is not as scary as the holiness of my God and, and the wrath of my God. He, he will not be defeated here. King Jesus is on his throne. God is sovereign. Yes, this is scary, but he will not lose this battle against this wicked perversion intruder into his good kingdom. I don't know what the next 20 years hold. I don't know what the next 50 years hold. I don't know what the next century holds. But I know what the end holds, and it is only peace, and it is only purity. He will win. Okay, where was I? Destruction. Okay, so that's it. So destruction of self, uh, destruction of others, destruction of sex, destruction of society. All right. Let me, let me end here, and, and I hopefully be able to leave some time for questions. Let me, let me end here with probably why a lot of you are here, but I feel like we really need to understand the struggle. Um, let me offer help with, with, with internet pornography as best I can. I mean, what can I do, you know, in 20 minutes? This, this has got to be an ongoing discussion, guys, an ongoing session with you at your homes, with your friends, in this church. Um, uh, here, here's what I want to do. I want to offer help tonight to two main groups. I want to offer help to those who are struggling and to those who are parenting. Offer help to those who are struggling and to those who are parenting. Um, you know, I, I, I originally was just going to do a parenting deal. But then I, as I thought about this, I was like, that's, that's being incredibly naive. I know that there are people here struggling with this. And so I want to offer help to those struggling and then offer help to those parenting. Um, help to those struggling. Um, there's so much to say here. Like I said, if you're battling this, please come see myself or John or, or, or Mark or Nader or if you're in college or campus minister or just somebody. Um, but here's what I want to do with my limited time. I want to propose three guiding principles to those who are struggling. Three, three things. This is not a, a formula that is going to fix everything. It is not flawless. But, but as I have counseled people through this struggle, three things that I feel like are just, you've got to have these three principles um, in your struggle against this thing. Uh, the first is this. Receive the grace of Jesus Christ. Receive His grace. The Bible says this to you. God made Him who knew no sin to be sin for you so that in Him you might become the righteousness, the pure, spotless righteousness of God. And so I ask you who are in the heat of this struggle and addicted, do you have the courage to believe that verse? I am not going to tell you that you have nothing to be ashamed of because you know that's not true. Others may tell you that. I will not tell you that. But I will tell you of a gospel that bears your shame. I will tell you of a Savior who would dare clothe himself in your filth and perversion and suffer under the condemnation of God. A condemnation you deserve for all of your sexual brokenness, yet it was the will of God to crush His Son, not you. I know you feel guilty and shameful and filthy, and I would just say this to you. To you who love and trust in Christ for your salvation, are you really going to look upon His cross and tell that dying Savior that His blood is not powerful enough to cover your sins? Are you really going to tell that to Jesus Christ? Are you really going to tell him that his grace is not powerful enough? It's not deep enough to cover your perversion. I would not do that if I were you. I would not. I'd be very careful telling the Lamb of God who was slain that his death is not powerful enough to atone for your sins. The truth is, 
Jesus puts forward a gospel and a grace that is radical beyond anything you could ever imagine. It tells of a God who would dare say to the perverted, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is my love for you. As far as the east is from the west, so far have I removed your transgressions from you. Your sexual transgressions are as near to you as the east is near to the west. Your sins, though they are as scarlet, they they will be made white as snow. Now, in the name of Jesus, who died for you, repent. Repent. I I ask you first to receive the grace of Jesus because rightly understood, this gospel will create inside of you a proper allegiance and motivation to honor the Savior who died for you. How can you look at a grace like that as extreme as this, and continue to offer your bodies in allegiance to pornography. You know better. You are a child of God. You are bought with a price. You are not your own. Therefore, glorify God with your body. So we receive the grace of Jesus that creates inside of us this motivation, allegiance to Jesus, and now we move towards others for help. So first principle, receive the grace of Jesus. Second principle, confess your sins to someone. Confess your sins to others. James commands us, confess your sins to each other, pray for each other so that you might be healed. So that you might be healed. One of the immediate responses of the gospel of grace is, is a freedom to be exposed. I don't, I don't mean you have to broadcast your struggles for all to hear, but I do mean it has to come to light. This is so fundamental to beating this thing. The hardest step to take in the quest for freedom, um, it is this, but this is without a doubt the most important one. Um, I will say to this, if you are struggling, I will say this to you, if you are not known, you will never be free. If you are not known, you will never be free. But if you are willing to confess your sins and make this known, freedom is in fact possible. The power of sin lies in its concealment, especially with this this, uh, shameful struggle. The enemy is going to do his best to keep this thing hidden in your life. The longer it remains secret, the the more strength it gets, but the more light it sees, the weaker it will become. So come, come to your pastor. Come to your friend that you trust. Come to your parents. Come to a counselor and confess your sin. You have to be known. You have to be known by someone. But it's not just confession for confession's sake. It is confession with the attention of help, accountability. You say, oh, I've tried the accountability thing. It hasn't worked. I'm in the accountability group or whatever. You haven't done accountability. Trust me. You have played around with this cheap, spineless accountability thing that we create. It's like, I'm struggling this week with lust. Okay, let me pray for you. Thank you. Okay, amen. And then you go out week and do it again. And then you come back and repeat the cycle. This is not biblical accountability. If you want to know what accountability is according to God, then read the account when God sent to David, who committed adultery like this, he sent to David prophetic accountability in Nathan. After David had committed adultery, it was not a pleasant experience for David. Here is how biblical accountability differs from your concept of accountability. So we're talking about our confessing our sins to others and getting help. Here is how biblical accountability differs from, from, from your concept of accountability. It is confrontational, not confessional. Here's what I mean. Our view of accountability is we bring our sins to another 
And accountability is dictated upon the courage to confess and share. Well, that's really effective. Because <laughs> I'm sure you're not going to hide anything there. Nathan sought out David and confronted him. You are the man. You are the one who did it. You slept with Bathsheba. You killed Uriah. You have sinned against the Lord. And David was humbled and he repented. So when I say accountability, I say that you are coming to somebody to confess your sin and to open your life wide to them for confrontation. Who is in on the struggle and has the freedom to step in and confront and help. So it's confrontational, not confessional, and it's total, not partial. Here's what I mean here. The other downfall of most accountability that you've probably been in before um, is that they are not deep enough. So here's what I mean. When a student comes to me into my office um, with this stuff, the conversation always goes like this. I've been struggling with lust, Robert. Now, their hope is that I will say, oh, I'm so sorry, let me pray for you. And they'll feel better that they came and told somebody, they move on, and they're expecting that to be some like magic stick in their life, and then they move on and they're done. But they never get that. I don't allow them that option. So it goes like this. I've been struggling with lust. By lust, what do you mean? Uh, well, I've been looking at things I shouldn't. What are you looking at? Well, I'm looking at internet pornography. Okay. How often are you looking at internet pornography? Once a month, once a week, every day, two times a day? And I will not stop. I will not stop with them until we have gone down into the depths of the depravity. When I say you need to come to somebody and bring your sin to light, I don't mean that you need somebody in your life to shine a flashlight upon it. You need a friend who will go down there and take your junk and carry it out into the, the noonday sun and let the heat scorch it. It just all needs to come out in a confessing way. By the way here, I, I'd be very um, careful who this is, okay? And, I, and I, I, some people don't agree with me here. This should not be your wife, okay? Uh, especially my generation, it's like... We just vomit everything. Like, that kills her. You know, it, that, go to a friend, another guy, um, a pastor, something like that. So it needs to be total in its confession, and it needs to be confrontational. Okay, so, so what we've done here is we've received the grace of Jesus Christ. We've confessed our sins to others and gotten help. Last principle, pick up your cross and follow Jesus. If you're struggling with this stuff, you need to memorize Luke 9.23 and you need to preach it to your soul a hundred times a day. If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself. He must pick up his cross daily and follow me. Here is why the verse is so important. If you are going to deny yourself this stuff, this powerful sinful practice, you need to know that it is going to feel like death. It is going to feel like you are getting crucified every single day. No heroin addict wakes up and just says, I think I'm going to be done with this drug. He must go through hell to get off this drug. I'm telling you, this, this stuff is very real and powerful, just like a drug addiction. If you want freedom, it is going to take extreme measures. It is going to be a picking up of a cross. This is what Jesus was saying when he said, if your eye calls you sin, gouge it out. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. How badly do you want freedom from this? How radical are you willing to go to stop this addiction? Some of you are in so deep that you need to stop what you're doing in life and get treated. 
I'm, I'm that extreme. I, don't, I know you don't want to spend that kind of money. I, I know you've got busy lives and, and things going on, um, and you're worried about what people think. Okay, that's fine. But I promise you, you're going to lose everything. You are going to lose everything, and you are going to destroy your life, and you are going to destroy your family. Some of you are in so deep that when I say extreme measure, gouge out your eye, cut off your hand, you need to stop everything and get serious, serious help. But to some who, by God's grace, are just aren't, aren't in so deep, there are still measures that must be taken. I don't know what that's going to look for you. I, I can't give you a system here, a formula. Um, the struggle is so situation-specific. But I know this, if you are not willing to get extreme with this thing, um, gouge at your eye, cut off your hand, pick up your cross measures, then you're not going to see change. So maybe it would help everybody if I just gave you a couple examples and then you could just kind of maybe in your situation run with it or come to somebody and, and, and help think through this. Um, one person I'm counseling through, and I'm using, I'm, using, uh, il- I'm using illustrations from people who are in no way connected to this church at all for the purpose of confidentiality. I have one person I'm counseling through this issue who has about a 10-minute commute to his job down one street, just one street straight to work, 10 minutes. But the problem is, is that goes through a very seedy area of town. Um, and what he had noticed is that going through there, it was inciting all this lust in his heart, and he was going home after working, looking at pornography. And so this is, this is gouging, out hand, gouging out eye, cutting off hand, bearing cross. Instead of going 10 minutes to work, he goes 30 minutes around the city to work every day. Now that's extreme, sounds crazy, but that's what it takes in his life. I have another guy who's heavy into pornography addiction. Single adult, living by himself, um, he, he's found that no monitoring software or blockers were able to stop him, so he has no internet access at his home. Well, he still had pay-per-view, and that became an issue. He couldn't stop it, so he cut cable. Well, he still had a TV with a DVD player, and, and he started getting issues there, so he took away a DVD. He has a TV with rabbit ears now. Now, that's picking up a cross. And I share these things to you, and you say, man, that's extreme. Exactly. To you struggling, exactly, exactly. But these are also men who aren't viewing pornography and they're walking in freedom, in a measure of freedom and holiness. Now listen, the last thing I will ever be accused of, if you know me, the last thing I will ever be accused of is a legalist. I am not being legalistic here. It would be legalism for me to say, therefore, you cannot have internet, cable, can't drive past strip clubs or whatever. That's not what I'm saying. I give these examples to you to show you people who are getting extreme with this thing, making change in life. If you're struggling, you've got to do these things. This is all situation specific. I don't know what it means for you. I can help you think through those things. If you want to talk more, for some, it may just be installing software on your computer and blockers and monitoring stuff, putting a computer in a public area of your house, things like that. We can talk about those things. The only thing I'm saying is that they're going to have to be extreme measures, radical self-denial for you to get control of this thing. You're going to have to pick up your cross daily if you want to find freedom. And I will also... Okay, I will also say this very quickly. Um, no, matter, no matter how far... No matter where you are... Let me say this, this is extreme. No matter where you are with this, whether it's something you've never even looked at, you can't even understand the struggle, no matter how far you have come in this fight, no matter um, if you've never spent a minute looking at internet pornography, don't you dare get prideful. Don't you dare get prideful. Wake up every day and you too say, today I will deny myself. Today I will pick up my cross by God's grace. My hero on this stuff is John Owen. He wrote a book, Mortification of Sin and the Believer. I think it's the best book for you struggling with um, internet pornography. Um, 
here, Owen defines victory. So we're looking for victory in this struggle, right? He, he defines victory over lust as this. It's not that it's completely gone, because it will never be completely gone until we are in glory. Owen defines victory as someone who has gotten to the point in their fight against their lust that their daily routine is just beating this thing into submission all day long. That's just what they do. They maybe even don't know they're doing it. It's all they do every day, wake up and beat this thing into submission. This is what Owen says. Such a one, this person never thinks his lust is dead just because it is quiet but labor still to give it new wounds, new blows every day. When the heart finds sin at any time at work, seducing and forming imaginations to make provision for the flesh to fulfill that lust, it instantly apprehends the sin, brings it to the law of God and the love of Christ, condemns it, and then follows it through with execution to the uttermost. (laughs) What he's saying there is if there's a thought that creeps up, you take it, you take it to the, to, to the love of Christ, and then you condemn it, and then, and then you kill it. You put your sin to death. Here's what I'm saying. Change is possible. I belabored it. I'm sorry. Change is possible. You don't have to live this way. If you're struggling, you don't have to live this way. Receive the grace of, of Christ, confess your sins to others, and then pick up your cross daily and follow Jesus. Now, that's my help to those struggling. Let me close by offering help to those parenting. Um, basically, here's what I want to do to you parents. Um, I want to say the same thing I just said um, from a different perspective. You know, John's message this morning was so timely if you were here. Um, Children are children, okay? Children are children. They are not adults. They don't have the maturity or the ability to fight this thing and stand against this temptation on their own. They're children. You are the adult. You are the parent. So you're going to have to, as he said, you're going to have to rip this evil snake out of their mouths. They are eating snakes in this pornography stuff. You're going to have, you're the parent. You're going to have to rip it out of their mouth. So what do I have in mind here? Well, those three things that I just said, I mentioned before, you have to do those for them. You are their parent. You have to do those for them. So here's, here's what I mean. My first point was receive the grace of Christ. You are the parent. You have to communicate to them the grace of Jesus. This is so important. So many parents parent, parent through this stuff um, with just a moralistic, self-improvement, behavioral modification way. Just don't be a bad little boy. Be a good Christian. Listen, they are bad little boys. Okay? They have perversion that you would never, ever imagine. They are struggling here. They need to know that you love them still. And nothing will change that. Nothing will change that. Parenting through this must be grace-centered. They need to know the limitless grace, the matchless grace and love of Christ in the gospel. By the way, you communicate, you demonstrate that to them yourself. Before there's any talk of change, they need to know that you love them and that that there's nothing they can do. Even those shameful actions, your love will cover that in their lives. And a lot of you will say to me here, well, they know that. I tell them that all the time. I tell them all the time I love them. Of course they know that. I don't know if they do. I really don't. And here's why. If you're not talking about this struggle with them, then you are communicating guilt and condemnation whether you intend to or not. Here's what I mean. 
if you won't go there with them, if you won't go down into the depths of this with them and get over the awkwardness and deal with the issue, then what you are communicating to them, what you are saying to them is that you are dirty and you're too awkward and you're too shameful for me to address. I just can't go there with you because I can't handle a child who looks at this stuff. I just I can't go there. can't go there with you. Parenting like that will drive them away from you and into the world of pornography where they will always be accepted and loved. But parents who say, I love you. I love you. Nothing will stand in the way. No matter what, I'm going there with you. I'm going to fight for you. I'm going to have this conversation. I'm going to discipline because I care. But you are my child. Nothing will change that. They can follow a parent like that. They can follow a dad like that. They long for a father like that. I have, guys, listen, I have met with many teens about this struggle. And many times the conversation goes like this. I'm not opening my mouth until you swear up and down in every way, put your hand on a Bible that you will never, ever, ever come to my parents and tell them this. Now, the way I youth pastored, they don't have to have that fear. A parent comes, talks to me about this, you know. But they're still scared to death because they are scared to death of what you will think of them and what you will do. They need to know in this shameful, guilt-ridden, perverted struggle that mom and dad are full of grace and love. So you communicate to them the grace of Jesus by the way you act towards them. So you communicate the grace of Jesus. Next, you expose their sins for them. Our second principle was that you've got to come and confess this. You've got to be exposed. Okay, they're children. They're not going to do that, okay? You are a parent. You must expose. They're not mature enough to confess their sins. You have to expose them yourselves. You've got to monitor them yourself. I mentioned last week that we should not have computers without monitoring software. Um, I, I didn't get very specific there. Let me tell you the, the two best that I've found just for your help here. Um, there are many out there. A lot of them are free, but in my opinion, you get what you pay for. Um, these two cost money, but I think they're very worth it. Um, Covenant Eyes is the one I highly recommend to, to parents, and Safe Eyes is the one that's kind of become popular through uh, um, Dave Ramsey's ministry. Um, these are Christian monitoring systems with the option of blocking stuff, um, and these things have gotten pretty good over the years. The, the tech guys uh, gave me a little bit of hard time from my last talk, um, because you can get around monitoring systems and stuff like that, and, and that's true. Um, but but th- these things have gotten pretty good. The, in the past, what kids would do is they would just um, uninstall the software, but they can't do that anymore. To uninstall the software, they've got to um, get an uninstall code, for, and only you have the ability to get the uninstall code. This may not be making sense to anybody, but um, they, they, they can't uninstall it without you permitting it and you knowing about it. And then the other way around this um, in the past was file sharing stuff. Again, that may not make sense to many, but, but now um, if, if any file sharing is going on, you immediately receive an email saying there's file sharing going on in this computer. Um, and, and so they work pretty well. Um, I receive accountability reports from a lot of people, a lot of reports um, from a lot of other people, um, and it's very good at showing you if there's anything objectionably being viewed. But in the end, kids are smarter than you at this stuff. Sorry, they are. And, um, and, 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 and they, they can usually, most of them, in my experience, most of them don't, but, but there, are, there is the random kid who can get around this stuff. Um, and so the best thing to do here is to just place the computer, common area of the house, avoid wireless 
internet with everybody having their own laptop and just going wherever they want or avoid computers and own kids' room. Just a common area of the house, somewhere where they can't be left alone, and you can just monitor. You just know what's going on on your computer, and then you are exposing the sins for them. They're not going to come confessing it. You see what's going on. You expose it. Meaning also that it's your responsibility to approach them about their usage. You need to expose the folly of their sins. They're not mature enough to see this. Teach them that it is wrong. That it's hurting them. Tell them of the consequences we talked about. Let them feel the consequences of their sin through discipline. In other words, as children, the folly of sin is not yet exposed to them. Right now, it's just fun and stimulating. And they'll see the consequences someday. But right now, there is a way for them to feel the pain of their sins. Your discipline. By your discipline, you will expose the consequences of the sin in their lives. Again, I'm not trying, I said this last time, I'm not trying to tell you how to parent. The principle I'm trying to communicate to you is this. You can't trust your children to expose themselves, to confess their own sins and to understand the pain of their sins, you need to expose sin for them. You, as the parent, need to know what they're looking at, and you need to expose the pain and the folly of this sinful temptation. Okay, so you need to communicate to them the grace of Jesus Christ. You need to expose the sins for them. And then the last one, you need to pick up their cross. And when they won't. Again, these are children. My last principle for those struggling was that you had to deny yourself and pick up your cross daily. One day, of course, as parents, our hope is that our children will live Luke 9.23 by their own initiative. That will be what they love and cherish. This is what they love to do. They're children of God. They're citizens of the kingdom. They want to do this. Until that day, you, as their parent, must come alongside them and, in a sense, force self-denial. You must force these extreme measures that we talked about earlier. If your child is given over to this addiction, then you need to get them help. Whether, whether they want to get help or not, they're not going to want to get help. I don't care. I'm in charge. You're going to get help. You need to do the extreme things in their lives that it is going to take for them not to go there. If, 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 if the internet's a big deal for them, they just can't control them, they're just in so deep, then lock the computer in your bedroom or in your office or something like that and only let them use the computer and you can sit there and watch them. It can, you know, you've got to get extreme for them depending upon your situation, very situational specific. If they can't handle an iPhone, then, by the way, this is, this is, Cell phones are turning into the most dangerous tool here, okay? You need to know that. Cell phones are turning into the most dangerous tool. Um, iPhone usage is not monitored. They can look at what they want. Um, there is the, the fastest growing pornography industry now is mobile usage pornography. So it's, 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 it's pornography for the cell phone. Very fast, very accessible. Um, some of the iPhone apps are pornographic. Um, not to mention this, this trend that I don't even have time to get into tonight, which, you know, sexting, where... You know, they're making their own pornography and they're taking pictures of themselves and sending it to each other and all that stuff. Uh, cell phones can be the most dangerous thing in all of this. I don't know. If, if your child can't handle that, an extreme measure would be is say, like, here is your old 1980 cell phone that's bigger than your head and that's what you're going to use. <laughs> and sorry. You know, but, you know, this, mom, I want the cool one. Well, you could choose this or this bag of quarters and pay phones. It's, it's, you know, it's up to you. 
I don't know what it's going to be for you, um, but here's, here's my principle. Until your child is at the point where they are, they are picking up their own cross and they are walking in righteousness and they're, and they're showing you, they're demonstrating you this fruit of Christ's lordship and, and all this stuff, um, you must do that for them. You are their parent. You are ripping the snake from their mouth. Um, so you communicate the grace of Jesus, you expose their sins for them, and you pick up their cross when they won't. Okay, I'm done, but I wanted, to, I, wanted to, I wanted to end with this thought, and I really am done. Um, here's my last word of encouragement to parents. You can't change the heart of your child, only God can. At the end of the day, you cannot change the heart of your child, only God can. Um, rebellious children have always found ways around rules and discipline of their parents. If your child is doing that, and you can't seem to stop this pornography stuff, and you're just dying, and you're crying yourself to sleep, and you're worried that they're destroying their lives. Um, I want you to always remember that God is sovereign. And, and I want you to pray. I want you to pray that God would change the heart of your child. Um, I want you to trust that he will bless your efforts as a parent. Um, receive his grace for the mistakes you've made. They are many. And then wait upon the Lord. He will redeem, guys. He will redeem. He loves to redeem. That's what he loves to do. If he can save a wretch like you, doing the things you were doing when you were a teenager, he can save your child. Pray, let us pray that this generation would be spared. Let me pray. Father, thank you for this time. Um, Set the captives free. If there's anybody here in this room, I pray that you would, this would be the beginning of freedom. And, and we do pray for our kids. We pray for this generation. Oh, Father, um, pornography seems right now to have them, but we know better. We believe in you, King Jesus. We believe that you are on your throne. We believe uh, that there could be a wave of repentance to push back this darkness, and we dare pray for it. Bring a destruction to the pornographer. Bring an end to this injustice. Come, Lord Jesus, hasten the day, bring peace, bring purity, have mercy on our land. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.